I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Good morning, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, so we we touched on this topic a little bit um, previously with you discussing sort of running into an issue with a client and uh, you ended up having to make a threat of you're going to walk away. Um, so I, I just recently went through a proposal process and just it was like a year long deal talking with someone about some work that they wanted to do. And then sent in a proposal, and I finally, um, they told me in advance they had a tight budget, and I just like cut everything I possibly could and got it as low as I possibly could, and mm-hmm. sent it to them, and they still were pushing back on the fees, mm-hmm. and I was like, look, um, and and they were um, they're sort of in the industry, so they know, as they say, know enough to be dangerous, so. They're like, oh, you just have to do this and this. It's it's super easy. It's super easy. I'm like, I understand that the construction will probably be pretty straightforward and easy, but it still takes time to put this package together. And the amount of time it takes at the amount of money that I'm proposing after taxes, I'm getting nothing. <laughs> uh, and this is taken away from potentially other work that I could be doing. Mm-hmm. So had to mm-hmm. kind of break it down. And it was still like, well, if you find it, you know, possible to push back on some fees. And it was just, and then the scope started in the same conversation, the scope started to move a little bit. And it was just like, do I really want to do this? And uh, so finally I was just like, you know what, 
you would probably be better served going with this other person that they told me that they had talked to and then they wanted it really fast and it was just a lot. So I was just like, I, I can't do this. It's, it's just not going to work out. Um, so I'm when, smiling because I think we've all been down that road a billion times at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we could talk about a little bit about your project and, uh, this project, if you have any questions for me, but, it reminded me of right before I launched my my practice, I went and I spoke with um, a, a local architect that was, you know, he's been doing it for 20 plus years and just, you know, asking him about the business and he's really success, successful. So it's just, you know, picking his brain about how he's gotten to where he is. And one of the things that I noticed, uh, which reminded me of this after going through this experience is he had it, he had a piece of paper on his wall next to his computer or, or like at his desk. So as he's making phone calls, it's just there, a constant reminder. And it's his list of four things that he uses to determine if he should work with a client or not. So, um, how do you want to do it? You want to hit this list first or you yeah, have some yeah. thoughts? Yeah, do it. Okay. So the first one was, uh, respect does the client respect you and that comes down to do they respect you as the the knowledge that you're giving the experience you're giving the the time you're putting in uh your time in general so just general respect the second was is the client high maintenance (laughs) are they gonna uh nitpick and sort of scrutinize everything and just be generally difficult and I think in, in his mind, it was like, I want to consider if I'm going to go down this road, how much, t- how much more time is it going to be on top of what I anticipate? Third, fees. If they're talking about fees immediately, mm-hmm. um, when they see you, they've initially commoditized your service and you as a, as a service provider. Um, so you don't necessarily matter and what you bring to the table doesn't matter. It's just the lowest common denominator for the most part. And then the last one, which I thought was interesting, is in the situation where he's meeting with them in their office or at their home, if they offer you a glass of water or not. Kind of the human element to it. Yeah. Like- and that, and that kind of dovetails back into number one of respect. I, you know, I mean, all the things that he's mentioning, you know, I totally agree with. I think um, what what I would say though is it's um it's from a myopic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So it's in how it affects him or how he wants to be valued, right? Or I'm saying he because I think he said he, but in, in how that person wants to be valued. Mm-hmm. But I, I think and and while I agree with that, I think some of the things that and clearly he said he's successful, so it's worked for him, so yeah. good for him. Uh, but from my point of view, one of the things that's helped me a lot in that whole perspective is. I don't look at it from what I want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I look at it actually from what they're trying to do. And if you t- and if you break down business to two very basic principles, right? I'm trying to get the most money for the services that we provide for our company, mm-hmm. right? The individual on the other side is trying to buy the most amount of services they can for the least amount of cost possible mm-hmm. for their company, yeah. right? So when you look at it, there's automatically going to be, you know, some type of distorted perspective from either side. So, um, so I think nobody's ever going to value our work the way I value our work, you know, what our team does and those types of things. And at the same point, 
I'm never fully going to comprehend what those guys have to deal with because even though they're buying one part, which is architecture or flooring or cabinets or whatever, they have to go buy another 55, 60 parts from other people to put this whole thing together. And all those fluctuations and costs are what hit them. And then ultimately, as the project moves further down the road, mm-hmm. they run out of budget, right? I mean, yeah. we all see that. And that's why I know it crunches us the most because we're at the very back of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think there's a couple of things. One, you know, there needs to be some type of mutual respect always. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you we do, I've done business, you know, or created business with people that, um, that I don't enjoy, you know what I mean? On a, on a personal level that I just, you know, really don't like it, but it makes business sense to do it. Mm-hmm. There's other people that I give them more leeway because I really enjoy doing business with them. Mm-hmm. And it's a partnership is, is really how it's viewed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I think it's interesting because I think people confuse those two very easily. And I would say this, it's like, people say, well, if you value me in this relationship, you'll tell me the number you want to be or whatever. It's like, no, you'll get the second look or the last look, but really you don't even want to be that person. You really want to be the person that gives them just a true number up front. So they really never have to question it. If they took it out to market and see some out of whack scenario, Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. To your point though, I've been in a few spots and I'm dealing with another, you know, current or not a current, another partner where actually because we were saying before that we walked out on work, I have walked out on work. And with this, this builder partner in particular, who's not a partner right now, but it basically got back to the idea of they're struggling with their current contractor, current current uh, trade. Their whole field wanted us to do work for them because we had done it previously and, and did really well. And then all these other guys basically came in and, you know, the first thing they grabbed for is they dropped their pants and slash prices, you know what I mean, to get the market share back. Yeah we're not in a position size wise where I can get to that low of a number, but yet we outperform them consistently. And we're not talking about that much. Yeah. Right. And so we literally had a huge meeting in a room. Their whole field was in there. Their purchasing team was in there. The regional guys were in there and like pushing to get us to come back and do work. And they're like, your number is too high. And I told them, I said, well, you know, and the field guys were saying that obviously the purchasing people are because the purchasing person's job is to do what? Buy things at the cheapest cost possible. Right. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, well, I don't think my number's too high because clearly you're pushing to get us in here mm-hmm. because your field guys are basically saying right now in pure words that they're being failed by whoever you have contracted. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if my number's too high. I think their number's too low and they can't perform service for you. Mm-hmm. I said, for those reasons. I said, but if you're telling me in order to get your work, I have to be lower than those guys. I said, you're devaluing what my team does and I'm absolutely just not going to do that. I don't think that's fair. So if, if the answer is not, we need you to come down a little bit or whatever, can you get to this number and work with us? And it's just, nope, you need to be low bidder no matter what. I'm like, let's save everybody a bunch of time. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And it was, that's probably the first time I've ever done that yeah. and walked out uh, and tried to do it very respectfully, but it's like, look, you're telling me you want this. I, I don't think that's right because you're already buying it for a number that doesn't work. Yeah. Why would I come in less than that? Yeah. Like when you know, we already work like that's not, that's not, that's not respectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just basically looking at us like a piece of meat, which doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? So, you know, in that situation, you know, people would tell you, you hold all the power cards. It's not true because they're we're still not the ones that are letting the work go. Yeah. But at the same point, we just don't have to agree to it. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared to devalue what our team is doing when ultimately we can go after other business where people want our business that are willing to pay a fair price. I'm just talking a fair price. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and we would go do that. And I told the guy, I'm like, they're willing to pay us something different because they value what we're doing. I'm like, and I'm going to give them better pricing every time because I value the work. Yeah. I'm like, and that's a relationship. You're just trying to beat me up. I'm like, I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. So long story short, I just got a couple of other invitations to bid asking us 
to please consider working for them and whatever. So it literally happened last week and I kind of laughed cause I'm like, do I even want to spend my time on it? Yeah. Um, the answer is yes, I will. And I'll send them a number and I'll say, this is our best number. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to relook at it or whatever the deal is. This is the best that we can do yeah. for you guys. Cause we would like to continue doing work for you at some point, but if this doesn't work for you, just tell me straight. Yeah. So I'll go through it. You know, like I told you before, I'm never going to turn down or thumb my nose at new work. But at the same point, I think we have to protect, you know, our team and what we stand for. And we're not, we choose, we're never going to be the you know bottom base guy. That's just, slinging work like whatever you know what i mean we're just we're not going to do that so it's a tough spot though i mean it's a it's a tough thing to do going through that list it comes down to a lot of things of of weighing your options there and what the situation is of course if you don't have any work you're not going to turn down work based on these things um because you need the work but i think as a business person both on a small uh sole proprietor format and as uh, someone leading a a team you have to consider these different factors of how how much strain is this going to put on you or your team and a lot of people will throw at you oh i've been giving your name out to other people or i'm telling other people about your company to try and string you along you have to also acknowledge or be aware of that is to get you to put your numbers down just so that you can get some air quotes, potential future work. Mm -hmm. So you have to also keep in mind, is that real offer or is that a real situation, real opportunity, or are they just trying to gaslight you to get your prices to come down and take advantage of you? So there's so much to consider in these little exchanges. And I think going back to that list, I think at least for architects, it is a long relationship where you're constantly working with them back and forth. Um, I know you guys have a relationship with your, your clients, mm-hmm. um, but it may not be as sort of engaged as frequently as architecture. Maybe, I don't know. You can correct me if um, I'm wrong. I, it, I guess it depends on what you're talking about because the way, even though it's maybe not in the upfront creation of a project where you guys are working really tight hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, you know, on one side of the business, we're handling all of their buyers, which is tied into escrow and everything mm. else and all those types okay. of things. So I'd tell you, we're probably more front facing with builder partners than gotcha. almost any trade. Gotcha. Um, you know, from that perspective up front, certainly it's all, you know, you guys and then with the engineers and everybody else, but for the lo- the length of the project though, you guys are pretty much done once it's all set in and, and put, you know, done. Right. Yeah. But we're every single buyer every single home site, it's, it's something different. It's almost like a custom, mm-hmm. custom deal. So, um, so, so I'd there, say, so, I mean, for the life of your work, there mm-hmm. is then a long mm-hmm. relationship. Long. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you have to consider that that relationship exists and you have to work together. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be more difficult? Is well, it going to be more time consuming yeah. than what you would normally bid uh, for yeah, a project? I, and I think there's, you know, there's, there's builder partners that we have where we have the type of relationship when we kind of have a set number that we go in at, you know, for their, their program. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause there's a lot of things that go into that, that I, I don't want to explain, but, um, there's other times when they call me and they just literally say like, Hey, we're trying to get this project through and we need some help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Can you do X? And it's like, okay, you know, let me look at it. And we look at the whole mix and whatever. And I just tell them either a, we can or B, I will, but here's my hesitancies. You know what I mean? Because it's about the scope of the whole, you know, partnership, not just one job. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to weigh, but when you're getting started, I think, you know, where a lot of your comments are coming from is like new business. 
you know what I mean? Like new clients, Mm -hmm. it's, it's totally finicky because they don't know you. They don't know what you can provide. They don't know why you're different than anybody else they've dealt with in the past. And really what you're trying to do is break through that portion of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And say, no, I'm, I, I provide value. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's what we always come back to. It's like, what type of value do you provide? Yeah. And I've got, you know, I've got builder, builder clients that literally have me, even jobs I don't work on for them. You know, they'll tell me, Hey, I'm struggling with this plan. Can you go walk it for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, but that's, but that's a whole, and I say yes. And that's a whole other value add that I have that a lot of people don't have, mm-hmm. you know, that trust and everything else that goes along with it. And only because of corporate reasons, can they not give me a hundred percent of what they do? Mm-hmm but I'm their guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, at those points I'm willing to go do whatever I need to, to make that happen. Or you've seen me jump on a flight next day, you know what I mean? Because somebody needs something. So it's, so that's, that's built up over time. But at the same point, I tell you, that's also how I won over a lot of people from the beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that, that, you know, you just kind of get after it and, mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't delay you're never late. You're whatever you're early, you're prompt, you know, those types of things, which these days a lot of clients don't get from, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of, a lot of owners and, and builders and whatever don't get from their clients. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a delay. Everything's delayed due to COVID. You know what I mean? It's just like, good God, everybody's tired of hearing that. So it's mm-hmm. like no delays. Let's just figure this out. Mm-hmm. But it's, dude, it's touchy yeah. because it's the other part is part of our pride too. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, you're, you're attacking our pride. I mean, by telling us we're not worth what we think we're worth. I mean, you have to realize, and that's why I mentioned before the idea of, you know, it's gotta be somewhat unemotional, somewhat. Mm-hmm unemotional because they're just trying to do their job, which isn't the direct opposite for the most part of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, from a value perspective. So, you know, it's, it's hard because you're thinking I'm worth X and someone's telling you, well, I'm only willing to pay this, (laughs) which really means you're only worth this. You know what I mean? So it's tough, especially for us. I'm glad you mentioned that because, and then the other side of it, the other P word is passion. Um, Mm -hmm. as a, provider of this service whatever your service is you're more than likely really passionate about it Mm -hmm. so there's this struggle like for architects i'll speak to specifically is that you know we're really passionate about the work that we provide and architects are notoriously bad business people because we're so passionate and want to deliver this great project your project and 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 you think it's going to lead to the next big beautiful project you're trying to work up this ladder but at the same time you have to keep in mind that that passion will lead you down a hole of you end up having to go to work for somebody else again so you have to be very protective of your time and aware of you are a business even though you're really passionate and you want to help people and deliver these great projects and and help solve problems uh, you have to keep in mind that it is a business and if you can't manage it time and uh, financially you have to make amends with that and and you know go to the next one if there's other projects that are going to pay more or be better for your business you have to be able to make those decisions um, because you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot as a business i think you're 100 right and i think what you need to realize and you know anybody that's listening to this that either has experience with it or will look we're a commodity Mm-hmm. For the most part, whether we like it or not, you know what I mean? Or we believe it or not, we're a commodity. Now mm-hmm. you're going to find some people where you're actually going to truly enjoy doing business with them, mm-hmm. but that's not the majority. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think what gets us up in the morning, like you said, you know, I, I wouldn't tell you my passion is flooring and cabinetry. <laughs> I, I love home building though. Yeah. And I love seeing projects complete and I like helping people complete that. And I like helping a partner 
make their project better mm -hmm. and sell and be successful. So I like being part of a successful winning team. And so we're, you know, a cog in that wheel at least. Mm -hmm. um, but you're going to have a lot of people that you're just not going to like, they're, they're not going to treat you the way you wish you'd be treated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think our generation is probably more susceptible than that than most. Um, but it, you're going to have some where you can be like, okay, like I understand why I do this now and, and why I enjoy doing this. And so you really have to hold on to those few pieces that show you that uh, part and then just realize the other part, it, it's not personal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As much as we're going to make it that way. And I would tell everybody that, you know, people will tell me all the time, like you need to be less emotional about this stuff. I'm like, the reason I am so good at what I do is because I am emotional about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I believe in it. I believe in what our team does and I'll fight for that. Mm -hmm. But, but there's a balance. Yeah. And I'm not saying any of us necessarily, I'm not saying I necessarily manage that extremely well, mm -hmm. but there are those reminders along the way. And we have to realize that, you know, you're, you're not going to get a monopoly. You're not going to get it all. You know what I mean? But how do you figure out to get the majority or more than you were hoping for and continue to grow? You use each experience, you know, as a learning opportunity. Why wasn't I able to have a proper communication with that individual to help them understand why we needed to be where we were price-wise? Yeah. Not he's an asshole. He is. But <laughs> what, what could I have done differently to help drive that and put the, and put the responsibility back on myself as opposed to the fate of, you know, our future being in somebody else's hands. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? How do we, so I think, I think learning to reframe and rephrase a lot of those things and really interreflect on how we handle stuff. will take a lot of that bummer pressure off if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard, man. And it takes experience going back to what we were talking about. I think like with public speaking and stuff, like it takes experience. You know what I mean? Like you have to go through these things. You have to suffer. You have to succeed and you have to get a sense of understanding as to why either one happened. Yeah. What you did to do so. So, and no two deals would be the same. You already know that. Yeah. You're just <laughs> yeah. not. So yeah. Yeah. All right. We're up against it. So, uh, thank you for joining us again today. Uh, make sure you listen for our long form show on Wednesday and we will see you back here for Express on Thursday. Thanks. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon.
Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.